Lord God, let us not be dull because of the Christmas season, but let us be excited, Lord God, and full of the intensity of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, moving in and through us. God, we love you. There's no ifs, ands about it, Lord. And for those that don't love you, we're praying, Lord God, that they would be moved uh, to a relationship with you in Jesus' name. Uh, so, Father, we come to you to be fed, to be nurtured by your word, Lord. Father, I pray that we would open our hearts again to receive what you have to speak into it today. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I am not sure if you have uh, seen the advertisements lately, but a uh, major store has uh, begun a campaign called Believe. And here is a quote from them about their campaign. You know about this store because they sell clothes and other knickknacks. But here's a quote about their campaign. We invite America to believe this holiday season. When you share the magic of the season, you also help grant wishes. Well, they haven't done it alone. But this store, they have partnered with another organization and one of the things that they are trying to promote in their Believe campaign is that they want to grant wishes to children who are in need. Uh, some children who, uh, quite frankly, uh, some are on their deathbeds or some suffering uh, very serious illnesses. And we know that this is a very commendable effort. Uh, I think that this is something uh, that has definitely started within the church but somehow has morphed out of the church, all because uh, they want your dollars. But I want us to refocus on this idea called believe or believing. What did they mean when they say they want you to believe? And sharing the magic of the season. What is the magic of this season? What do they want us to believe in? Believe what or uh, to believe in what? I think we should never, ever, ever leave these types of ideas unchallenged in our minds. You see, you see when these things are put out there, we should not uh, just, uh, like, uh, like lambs going to the slaughter, just take it all in and say, this is all good. We should challenge their thoughts with the word of God. No, we don't have to go out and send emails to their stores saying, what do you mean talking about belief? We don't have to do that. But they have, in essence, have left this idea of believing undefined. They didn't quite define believe because they were hoping that uh, you would bring your idea of belief into their grand scheme of things. 
But one thing that we know is that when we uh, have this and we grasp this idea of believing, uh, that behind it and in it is this feeling of expectation. There's no reason to believe anything unless you are expecting something to happen. Because in order to expect something, you must believe you are going to get it. Most of you believe that you're going to have dinner after church today. In fact, most of you believe that you're going to get something for Christmas. You are expecting that something is going to happen. And it's interesting, why doesn't this store promote this campaign during some other time of the year? You see, they are trying to hijack uh, this very biblical concept of belief and morph it into their campaign so our hearts will be open to everything they want to do. Well, this time of year, this time of year, this season, it is ripe for giving to others. As it is founded in the fact that God gave to the world. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 36. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. Then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. You know, loyalty to the Lord is a lifetime pursuit. When you consider, you know, how long must I be loyal to God? It is a lifetime pursuit. One issue that we are currently experiencing in our society today is the inability for anybody to commit. One thing that I have learned uh, that oftentimes you get a big hoopla about a lot of different things, but when it's really, really time to commit and put your nose to the ground and get the work done, all of a sudden, folks, disappear. Now, mind you, this has been taught by our governmental systems and corporate mentalities that no longer seem to value loyalty unless it what, first benefits them. So in other words, I'm going to be loyal to you only if I can get something out of it. I'm going to uh, commit to you only if uh, you can do something for me. And, you know, there was a time when you could work for a company all of your life and support your family. Yeah, I know we say that, yeah, but then it was this, and but then it was that. Yeah, but the bottom line is you, you knew that you would have a job from day to day. Now companies, they have changed as they have laid people off, uh, causing great compl complications to the employees and also their families. Many companies seem to have valued loyalty, but now they outsource their workforce so they will not have to pay benefits, therefore maximizing their profits. 
This is exactly what they talk about on popular TV. One show that helps start up businesses, you know the name of it. What they do is they try to figure out how can we maximize our profits. And oftentimes if you have some kind of little trinket uh, that is really good for folks, one of the first things they say is, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take that thing and then we're going to send it overseas to have it made. Oh, we're going to take this. And then you'll have uh, this person that created this little thing that said, well, I've always wanted uh, to, to make this, but I want to make sure all the jobs stay here so that, so that folks can make a living. And they say, well, you'll never make any money that way. So know that when they talk about sending a product overseas for manufacturing, they are sending your jobs out of the country. So these companies make lots of money uh, while shipping jobs to foreign places to increase their bottom lines. So the lack of loyalty to people uh, is their lack of loyalty to you. This is why it's very difficult for folks to commit. Uh, they're not willing to be loyal to you because they're thinking in their mind, well, how long is this going to last before they push me to the curb? How long can I really give my heart to them? Can I trust them? Now, obviously, though, I'm not talking about those folks who are already faithful in all that they do, including your faithfulness to the Lord. But we do see a shift happening right before our eyes, uh, even with our younger generation. It's very interesting that recently on uh, CBS National News uh, that they put together a very small focus group. And this focus group, it dealt with uh, how technology impacted the family. Uh, so uh, the, the vast majority of the respondents uh, seem to be at a loss for words as to how to deal with the problem. Uh, one parent said that they can't even talk to their child without their child doing one of these numbers. Uh, the, uh, the parent is trying to have a conversation and the child is doing one of these. You know what they do. Well, you know what some of you do when you're talking to folks. And then this particular father, he says, and then when I get upset with the kid, all of a sudden, my child goes ballistic. So he says, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Another parent, uh, they didn't know what to do with their child because uh, their child was favoring technology over getting schoolwork accomplished. So these parents kept saying, and I was a little confused about this. It really confused me. They kept saying, I don't know what to do. In the comment afterwards, one journalist asked a question, well, why don't the parent just take the device away? Right? Now, doesn't that make sense to you? Uh, but the reporter who actually did the report, he responded this way, you just go ahead and try it and see what happens. I'm like, man, that sounds like a threat to me. So what appears to be a connectedness in our technological age is nothing more than an avenue providing information about people. Listen to what I'm saying, uh, that uh, all of you with social media, all you have in your hand is a data stream. You do not have relationships. This is a data stream. This is information about people, and you cannot 
have a relationship only about information concerning people. Listen to me well. Information is not a relationship. Real relationships require an effort to connect even with the flakiest of people. Right? I know they're flaky, so I'm just going to send them a text and be done. I'm just going to go ahead and shoot off an email. But I want you to remember this when you're thinking about all those flaky people. Know that some of you are also flaky. Some of you are also flaky. Uh, so you're shooting off all that stuff and you yourself may be the flaky one. So in many cases, technology becomes an excuse for loyal relationships. Your technology becomes... Uh, you ever notice that you, you're in a conversation with some folks who are engrossed in technology and you're trying to talk to them, they can't even look at you in the eye? They can't even because they don't know how to. They have not learned because that phone, that iPad or that whatever you have, that's what's raising them. So don't be like some parents who say, I don't know what to do. Maybe it's time for your kids to fast from social media. Maybe it's time for them to fast. And, and for that matter, even some of you adults. But Anna, here in our scripture, Anna was a loyal woman. Anna was a committed woman. Looking in our passage, it should be obvious uh, to us uh, that she was devoted and she was loyal not only to her God, but also to her husband and also to her morality. Remember uh, what we heard last week about Simeon, just a few uh, scriptures above. He who waited on the consolation or the comfort of Israel, that Simeon was also a devout and he was a righteous person as well. So one of the things very interesting that we see in these two passages, comparing uh, Simeon, what we heard last week with Anna this week, a couple of things about Simeon. Uh, the passage says that a few things, that he was in Jerusalem, he was righteous and devout, and he waited on the consolation of Israel or the comfort of Israel. But also we heard him speak and bless God. Amen. But then we look at Anna here in our passage, beginning in verse 36. It's a little different. It tells us that she was a prophetess. It tells us that she was Phanuel's daughter. The passage tells us that she was of the tribe of Asher. An older woman. It tells us she was married. She was a virgin before she was married and didn't mess around when her husband was gone. And then her husband was gone. She was widowed. It tells us she was 84 years old. And she remained at the temple and worshipped through fasting and prayer. Isn't that interesting that with Simeon, we just hear that he was righteous and, and devout, uh, but with Anna, all this information. Very interesting that scripture never records any words she spoke. Not one word. Scripture only tells us that she did speak. 
So we see Anna the prophetess as a loyal woman to her morality, her husband, and also to her Lord. It is again interesting that in a religious world, in the world of Anna, right, uh, that it was dominated by, uh, by men. And that Anna stands out as a prophetess. So ladies and gentlemen, know that we must never limit God on who he uses to get his message across to people. We must never limit God on who he uses to get his message across to people. But listen to this. On the other hand, we must recognize that, that God has used a man. You hear what I'm saying? That when you look at scripture from cover to cover, that it is very clear that God has used a man uh, in essence to thwart his kingdom agenda. Now, I'm not being, you know, I'm not being biased or anything like that. I'm only stating the facts. Trust me, that if God had created woman first, it would have been a, a very clear focus and discussion on why he created a woman first. But God created man first, so it is through man that he would bring forth his agenda. But also know this, that when men refuse to step up, uh, that God will exercise his sovereignty because his plans will never be frustrated. Remember that at one time that nobody else was around to move his plan, that God used a jackass in order to speak to a man. So know uh, that God would use whoever he desires to make sure that his plan goes forward. And also did not let her age stop her from serving God. I'll say it again. Anna did not let her age stop her from serving God. She was 84 years old when we encountered her in Scripture. And she could have easily decided that, you know what, well, I'm just too old uh, to serve the Lord. She could have believed that it was now time for all the younger folks uh, to serve while I step back. And I could have taken the position that now I can slack up going to church while I take it easy and do a few things I've always wanted to do on Sunday, but she didn't do that. Anna did not allow the excuse of being older to stop her from doing what we all should do as a lifelong pursuit, and that is to worship God. Now, when you look at scripture from, from cover to cover, uh, one thing that's very interesting that we see uh, within uh, the corpus of scripture, a little bit different with the Levites, but even them, they continue to serve in their own way as well. That one of the things that we begin to see is that uh, you can't retire from God. You cannot retire from God. Do you know what retirement from God is? That's right. Some people, I heard my father, he got. Do you know what retirement from God is? Physical death, that's, that's when you retire. That's when you have uh, stopped doing what God has called you to do. You can't step back. There is no time to step back. It's quite ironic that I've heard some people, I've had one of my, one of my older brothers who passed uh, away back in the 80s. 
that I you know, always remember, and I've shared this before with you, how he told me one time that going to church is for older people. On the other hand, I've had older people tell me that I've been active in the church all of my life, and, and now I'm just going to sit back and I ain't going to do nothing. I'm just going to leave it for the younger folks. So what do we get if, if the older people don't do what they're supposed to do? And the younger people cease from doing what they're supposed to do in serving the Lord. We end up with a dysfunctional and less effective church. So if everyone else in between, you know, the top and the bottom and anyone else who thinks they're too old or too young, you don't do what God has called you to do. And you know God has called everyone in here to do something in the service. You know that, right? If you don't know, please see me after church today and I'm going to open up the word of God to you. If you are an oldest saint in the Lord, know that God is not done with you yet. If you are younger, know that you have a place in the body of Christ. And my question to you, what's stopping you? And if you're not doing anything in the church, I'm asking, I'm telling you that you are walking in disobedience towards God. Find your joy in serving the Lord and serving others in the body of Christ. So we're going to see a few other things in our scripture, but this idea of loyalty was important enough for the Lord to include it in the verses. So another area we see with Anna is her commitment to worship, fasting, and prayer. Look at verse 37 again. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and praying night and day. So in other words, Anna didn't sit around talking about, yeah, I go to church, yeah, I go to church. But, uh, but in essence, that she was committed uh, to fasting and praying and worshiping God night and day. Anna nurtured her relationship with God by doing things that would invite his presence into her life. You know what? When you spend time in worship, when you spend time in prayer, and when you are fasting, do you realize this is like putting a, a, a welcome mat for the Holy Spirit into your life? Did you know that? That when you are consumed with the things of God, that when you pray, you're saying, come Holy Spirit, work it out. Did you know that when you worship, you're inviting God into your life to do a work in your heart? And then when God sees that welcome mat, God enters into your life, and he does a work in you. What do you do to invite God to draw ever so close to you? Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but when we dedicate ourselves to worship, dedicating ourselves to prayer, and also to fasting, the work of the Spirit seems to intensify, all while allowing us to discern things we normally could not see. You hear what I'm saying? So in other words, we're walking around this life thinking that God is not doing anything, but the reason we uh, can't see God doing anything because we're not welcoming his spirit to do a work in our life. Because we are consumed with things on the outside of our faith more so than we are with the things that are on the inside of our faith. Encountering Jesus brings about a spirit of thankfulness. Encountering Jesus brings about a spirit of thankfulness. Verse 38. Verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks 
to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Why did she begin to give thanks? Because she had seen the Son of God. Her reward for being so loyal and committed to God was being able to see how God would bring redemption to Israel and ultimately to all people, to you and I. But I want you to see one thing. We need to step back and take a look at how it was possible for Anna, a Jew, to clearly recognize and understand that this baby was the one they had been waiting. How do you know this baby is the one and not all the other babies? How do you know that if you are in the hospital and all the babies have been delivered and out of all the babies that you say, oh, there is the redemption that we've been looking for. How do you know? How did Anna know? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. It says this. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So because she had been so loyal and dedicated to the Lord, she had spiritual discernment that allowed her to peer into what God was doing on the earth. Hold on for a second, now look at this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 now, in the same place. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Do you see that? So how was Anna able to discern that this baby, that Jesus, was the redemption of Israel? How was she able to see that? Because she was in step with the Spirit. You see where, are you connecting all this now? She was in step with the Spirit. And to be in step with the Spirit, she looked, she saw, she knew, she prays and worshiped. We have seen how the shepherds worshiped Jesus as they did, as did the wise men, as did Simeon, and now we see Anna. How did they know? Because it was the work of the Holy Spirit in their life drawing them. What is the Holy Spirit drawing you to do today? Do you recognize the, your discerning ability or do you simply ignore it? Imagine if you would how many people missed this moment because they were not ready for him when he came. Imagine how many people missed it because they were not ready. And some people say, well, I'm going to get ready for the Lord when, he, when I see him, and then I'm going to repent. But guess what, my brothers and sisters, it may be too late for you. You can't wait until he shows up, because once he shows up, guess what? It's too late. The disadvantage also is that we may first go to him 
And for some people, this may not end the way you want it to end. So all of the spiritual interaction Anna had before the Lord arrived uh, culminated in her having a spirit of thankfulness. For us, the Lord has arrived and we live with a spirit of thankfulness. And this is the, this is the reason why we always say, thank you, Jesus. Because we understand and God has given us a spirit of discernment to know what Christ has done for us. When you are spiritually ready, then you will have an encounter with Jesus. Then the next thing that happens is thankfulness begins to flow from your life. Finally, encountering Jesus motivates us to talk about him. Encountering Jesus motivates us to talk about him. Verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, back in Luke chapter 2, she began to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. To speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. What are some of the, the topics that... Uh, that come up in your life that you want to talk about non-stop? Have you ever met anyone that is really passionate about certain things, that they want to talk about that one thing all the time? I know some people that one of the things that they are so passionate about is the Green Bay Packers. That's all they want to talk about, right? They want to talk about it all the time. There's some folks who are passionate about food. Some folks who are passionate about the types of ice cream. I know ladies, some ladies are passionate about shoes. How many shoes they have and all this other stuff that goes along with that. And then there's those, uh, when they hear the good news about their, their new job, they tell everybody, oh, God has been good to me. Uh, look what God, the door that God has opened up for me. For others, it could be that new home uh, that you have. In others, it could be the fact that you are touting the fact that you've helped someone, which is a good thing, and now they're doing really well because they've learned their lesson. There are plenty of stories that we could get talking about, especially when we are extremely excited about it. Anna was excited about her encounter with Jesus Christ. Are you excited about Jesus are you so excited about Jesus that you're willing to talk about Jesus on the day that's about Jesus and the reason that you are living in this season? You've been to this, in the stores lately, as I have. One always one of the funniest situations is when you see the little bitty kids around all the toys. The other day I observed a line of Children, I think they were. I think they were all related. I think there's about four or five of them, and they were walking down the aisles, and they were just talking about toys and all this other stuff, like little people, like they were really talking about. I guess they were talking about something. Then I also noticed that uh, there were a few kids that were not ready to leave the store. And you know what happens when you get those small kids and they get up in those aisles with all those toys and they're not ready to leave the store. You know how they get excited, right? Some of them, they can't even, I think one kid couldn't even talk. But as uh, he began to cry, I knew the reason that he was crying because he didn't want to leave. He was saying, ah, ah, 
and I began to translate. God, give me a spirit of discernment. So as he began to go, ah, 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 at the top of his lungs, he was saying, Mama, don't take me out of here. He was saying, ah, ah. I said, Mommy, I want to live with these toys. Ah, 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 Mama, I'm not going to stop unless you let me stay. See, many kids are talking about what they are excited about. Christmas season, this Christmas season, it was a little bit different for Anna. At that time, Christmas had not morphed into this grand marketing scheme which determines how well a store will do for the entire year. For Anna and for Simeon, uh, as a matter of fact, and the men of the East, it was all about just a chance to see Jesus. Imagine that. Christmas being a time just to see Jesus. Not about what you give to me or what I give to you. I know some of you say, oh man, I've been wondering what kind of excuse I was going to give for not giving a gift. Now I can say, uh, 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 I want to tell you about Jesus. I don't want to talk about gifts. This season is about Jesus. You want to give someone, give them an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Do you find that you're talking more about the crowds and the time you're spending in and around the stores than you end up talking about Jesus? During that Christmas season, Anna only wanted to talk about Jesus. Look at the, the passage again, verse 38. Uh, <clears throat> she began to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. You've you got to get that now. I'm not sure... If some people would look at a person like that today, uh, it seemed like they would call them intolerant because all they want to do is talk about Jesus and not include their belief system. Yet I'm also certain that Anna, she didn't care. She didn't care what anybody thought. She only cared that Jesus was finally here. And I'm going to tell everybody who's been waiting that Jesus is here. But one important thing to see is that Anna's audience that they were people who were also ready to hear about Jesus. You see that? That the people that Anna went to minister to, that they were waiting and had been waiting to hear about Jesus. So, Pastor, are you saying that the only people we need to minister to are all those folks who are waiting on Jesus? In a way, yes, I am saying that. For some folks, they have to be prepared. Some folks will not come to Christ the moment that you present him to them. Some folks, you have to give them a little bitty snippet here. And then a little bitty snippet there. And then what happens inside of them, it begins to build up an appetite for Jesus Christ. And then finally, when you present Jesus to them, they say, I'm ready, I'm ready, because they've been waiting for something to happen good in their life. It's only... Jesus, who can do something good in all of our lives. Well, it probably didn't earn Anna any brownie points to begin to spread the news about Jesus everywhere she went. Because I know some folks didn't want to hear it. Some folks probably were saying, that ain't, that ain't the Christ. He's not the Messiah. But yet Anna, she went on. She's 84 years old. She's like, look here, I ain't got time for the dumb stuff. Do you have time for the dumb stuff? Or will you speak the things of Jesus Christ to the world 
that you're currently connected with. Well, the store I spoke of earlier, as I began this message, who promoted their belief campaign, they did it for at least seven years. They started about seven years ago. You may look at this series and may have looked in the newspaper and says, look like Pastor Spencer got his idea of a, uh, of a Believe series due to that organization. But I tell you, not so. You see, the idea of believing goes all the way back to the beginning of the creation of mankind. God has always wanted his people to believe his word and to believe him from the very beginning. But our campaign, it also culminates in the person of Jesus Christ, whom we must believe to have what? Eternal life. So the idea of believing does not go back seven years. The idea of believing goes back thousands and thousands of years. Bottom line is that those who are spiritually devoted, who will encounter Jesus, they will be thankful. And then they will begin to speak of him openly because you just can't help it. So for us today, the idea is that where is our focus? Looking for the redemption. And our redemption is in Jesus Christ. Let us pray.